Thank you, Lord. Amen. Appreciate our worship team and leading us into the presence of the Lord, doing a wonderful job today. Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. The presence of the Lord of them kind of in this theme and this vein and want to, even though it may be standalone messages, it's in the same theme or concept of what I feel the Lord is speaking to us in this season and this time that he has placed us here in the earth. I want to go today to Revelation chapter 3, reading verse 15 through about 17. Jesus comes to the churches here in chapter 3 and dealing with here the Laodicea church verse 15 he said I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot I could wish you were cold or hot so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot I will vomit you out of my mouth Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. I've got bad news for you today. That's what I want to talk to you about today. And that is, God is sick. God is sick. We have made him sick. Jesus is giving words of correction to his church. Two generations old and already in need of correction. Already in need of adjustment. Before they can move forward... There has to be adjustment and correction that takes place in their lives. The letter to the church of Laodicea is a love letter. It is a letter of love, but yet of correction. There is something about not just the church, but mankind in general, that whenever we understand a truth or we understand something that is true, and we learn it, we call it in the church a revelation, we swing from one side of the pendulum to the other. Uh, And and it, it doesn't matter if it is about salvation, it doesn't matter if it is about Holy Spirit, about healing, about uh, the gifts of the Spirit, Uh, It doesn't matter what it is, whatever the revelation is, we swing from one side of the pendulum to the other. And so it is with this grace message today. There's nobody that thanks God more for grace than Brian Matthews. Amen. I'm thankful for his grace, his unmerited favor. But I want to say to you today that, that whenever we have come to a place where that, that we in the church, I say we in the church because whenever you try to bring correction to somebody, they, act, they say this. They say, well, you just don't understand grace. Grace doesn't give you 
a, a license or even space to sin and to do whatever you want to do. Grace gives you space to repent for what you have done. Amen. And I'm thankful for that grace. But we have taken grace and, and then whenever you try to talk to somebody, they said they'll, even people have told me this way, well, you just don't love. You just don't love. Well, love has somehow trumped holiness. And yes, God is love. How many know he's love? You've experienced his love. Just hang with me. I'm balanced in what I'm going to teach you today. Amen. He is love. But whenever we trump everything with love, just love, just love, it's got to be all about love. And, and there is no correction. I mean, no, you don't love your children if you don't correct them. Amen. You, if you don't correct them, you, you, the Bible says that Jesus, God chastens those he loves. In other words, he chastises them. He rebukes them. Because he loves them enough to not allow them to go. We put boundaries upon our kids for a reason. It's not that we don't love them. It's the reason we don't let them play in the street. Because we love them, we put a boundary upon them that says, this is as far as you can go. Amen. And so this is a love letter to the church of Laodicea. But it is also a very much a correction he said, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. And so a relationship with the Lord is not only vertical, but it is also horizontal. A submission to one another is walking in the love of God so that we prefer and we submit to one another. This church is missing both of those. It is missing the vertical relationship with God and it is missing the or, excuse me the horizontal love with one another and they don't even recognize it. They say I am rich, I have become wealthy and I don't need nothing. Is that not speaking to our society today? People think if they have enough money, if they have enough things, that they need nobody. But the reality of it is, is that he says, you think that you have need of nothing, but you don't have nothing at all. Amen. In other words, God says, you've made me sick. You are lukewarm and you're neither hot nor are you cold. And he said, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. The only people that vomit is sick people. <laughs> Amen. He says, you've made me sick because of the place of your relationship with me and you. Jesus is nauseated by what his body has allowed to become lukewarm. His church has lost its zeal, its desire, its passion. And has adopted an attitude of arrogance. That we have all that we need. We have, if we can modernize it, we could say that we are rich and we've got fine buildings. We are rich and we have the, the good sound system. And we've got good music and we've got lights and we've got all of this. And we are in need of nothing. Amen. But Jesus was witnessing, witness 
this encounter of arrogance of them thinking they were rich, they were wealthy, and they needed nothing, meaning they thought they had it all together. And Jesus is not calling us to poverty. Amen? But he does want us to possess all the things that pertain to godliness and life. But he does not want us, those possessions, to possess us. Amen. We are to control them. God wants to bless us. He wants to keep us, amen, in a right priority, in a right relationship. And the Lord doesn't put premium on us being pover- in poverty. And he does, but he wants us to abound, but he wants us to abound as our soul prospers. Amen. And so the premium is not on things. The premium is on the relationship with him. Amen. Whatever circumstance we're in, life flows out of the relationship with Jesus. And so Jesus is talking to his church about a certain attitudes that they must uh, all deal with and come to terms with. And then he begins to says that what is now presently going on is making me sick. We're not careful in maintaining our attitudes and a right attitude, and an attitude of humility, and maintain purity in our hearts, our minds, and in our eyes, and in our ears, we will become like the Laodicea church, and become arrogant, and think we have it all together when we have nothing. Amen? He is combating a spirit of independence in the church of Laodicea. When Jesus says, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind and naked, he is not angry at them. He is trying to get them to realize where they're really at. Their perception is not true perception. Amen? And so he gives them three remedies to their problem. He said, first of all, I counsel you. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Amen? He says, I counsel you in three things. Number one, he says, buy from me gold refined in the fire. Amen. That you may be rich. This gold refined in the fire is, is character. And he is saying, Jesus is saying, look for people who will trade all of this mere social standings and looking good for deep character. Because the reality of it is, there's a lot of folks that look good, they look neat, but they don't have necessary character to stand. You don't always have to look good to ha- and have the, the right answer to be able to stand in a place of right character. Amen. He said, buy from me pure gold. Buy from me. Exchange what you now have, uh, Laodicea, and have some character. Amen. How many know character isn't flashy? Character isn't cute. It isn't, it isn't drawling sometimes. But bless God, when, it, when, a, when the rubber meets the road, when difficult times come, character's good to have. And it's good to deal with people with character. Amen. The second thing he said you need to do is, he said, and white garments that you may be clothed. In other words, buy from me these white garments that you may be clothed because right now you're naked and you don't even know it. 
Jesus is looking for purity, not for external a set of codes that we may have, not some religiosity of do's and don'ts, but he is saying to them that your heart will be pure before God. Amen. We need that today. We need, because if, how can we ever get to God except we have pure hands and a clean heart? Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, right? And so if we're going to go up before the Lord, we have to purify ourselves. Amen. There's some things that God does for us and there's some things you have to do for yourself. Amen. Cleansing is one of those. He has bought us with a price. But then he says, wash your hands, you sinners. Amen. Cleanse your heart. What is he saying? He is saying, I have made it available, but now there's a responsibility on your part to do it. Right? And so we have to have pure hands and a clean heart. And then he said, I want you also to get from me, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you might see. Jesus wants to give us fresh Holy Spirit anointing so that we may be able to see the church properly in this generation. He is wanting us to see, amen, the vision so that it can be enlarged. He is wanting to anoint our eyes. As I told you a couple of weeks ago, I believe that when he is speaking there, the spirit of the Lord has come upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, set at liberty those that are bruised, amen. And he is going to heal our eyes so that we can see again, so that we can have revelation again, so that we can believe God that we're not just here part of the club we're not just part a man of the game of this society and the world but God has a kingdom culture he has a people he has a body that is called his church that is in the earth and he has a divine purpose for us in this last day amen when our eyes are open we can see the needs and ministry opportunities And he invites us to be put eye salve on our eyes so that we can see the need. Amen. God always has a purpose for what he does. He is waiting, wanting to bring us out of our personal perception of who we are. So then who we think we are. And bring us in to the perfect plan that he has for our lives. Amen. God is always a God of progression. God told Moses in Exodus, when you come out, when you come out. Imagine that. He tells him, when you come out, I don't know when you went in. But you're going to come out. I don't know when you walked into whatever is holding you down and captive. But today as we sing break every chain. You can know that it's God's will that you are going to come out. Amen. When you come out. God said when you come out you will dwell on top of this mountain. Now we read in Deuteronomy. You can read there that God says now go up and possess the mountain. Amen. It was then that we read that the people refused to go up. Right? There are some people that don't want anything more than what they have. 
that is both physically and spiritually. Amen. And so we are spiritually where we want to be. We are spiritually, naturally, uh, 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 individually, as well as numerally or corporately, we become satisfied with where we are. And now we see that Moses, the mouthpiece of God, goes to the mountain, he does the work, he gets in tune with God, he hears the voice of God, and he says it's time to go up, and the people say we're satisfied down here. Right? We're, we're satisfied with what we have. And so we see that when we read this, the people refuse to go up. There are some people that don't want anything more than what they presently have right now. Amen. We cannot progress and stay the same at the same time. For us to progress, there has to become change. Amen. The vision remains the same, but you constantly are changing to fulfill the call of God upon your life. Amen. You don't just be hearers of the word. You've got to be doers of the word. And this is where we are challenged today. It's not a a lack of hearing the word. We have the word of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have uh, churches that have the word of God. We have all of these things. The word of God is present and available to us. It's not uh, hearing the word. It's doing the word. Applying the word to our hearts. Applying the word to our lives. We must apply the word of God to our lives. If hearing the word would be enough, my God, what the church would be. Amen. But we have to take the word and apply it to us. Say this is mine and now I've got to take it and apply it to my everyday living. Everything God in God's kingdom is about progression. Line upon line, precept upon precept, right? It's a progression. It's all about moving forward. Paul said, you have finished the race. Those who finish the race gain the prize. Amen. He went on to say, cut off anything that is keeping you from moving forward. So he said, he who runs the race, you've got to run it well, right? But then he said, he that endures to the end. The same shall be saved. And so thank God for salvation, right? Thank God for the prayer that we pray and ask God to forgive us of all of our sins. But that is not the climax. That is not the conclusion. That is the beginning of the race. But then we have to put on Christ. We have to have a renewing of our minds, our minds being transformed. How? By the, as we receive with meekness the engrafted word of God that is able to save our souls. So that's the transformation that is taking place. But I never get to a place where that I'm satisfied. If I'm going to know more about God tomorrow than I know today, then I must continually put on the mind of Christ. I must continually put on the word of Christ so that I can move forward. The Bible said the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. 
We walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible didn't say he who sitteth getteth. He said we've got to walk this thing out, right? It's a progression. We've got to walk it out. Everything about God is progressive. It's about moving forward. And every day you should push yourself a little further to know more about God. Do something that's, you know, we we're easily get framed in, don't we? we? We do the normal thing every day and we don't even think about it. It becomes our cycle. It becomes our habit. It becomes what we do day in and day out. And sometimes we just have to push on that envelope and do something different. God said, if you draw nigh to me. I will draw nigh to you. When you come out, the only place there is to go is up. He gives us the five-fold ministry for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of ministry. Because he's wanting to move us forward. Moving us into a higher place. Moving us to where we know him better. Amen. Because if we do not move forward, then we are backsliding and it is making God sick. In Hosea, there is, the Bible says, for Israel slideth back like a backsliding heifer. Hosea says, Israel has found itself in a place of a backslidden heifer. Now, when we talk about in church about backsliding, we we suggest that it is that someone leaves the faith, that someone that once knew Christ has now turned back and now they're no longer followers of Christ, that they are no longer saved, they're no longer a part of the household of faith. And that is how we describe backsliders. But according to what we see here in Hosea, he is not talking about a cow that has sin. He is talking about a cow that has decided this is as far as I'm going to go. Have you ever tried to lead a cow where it doesn't want to go? It ain't no fun. When that cow puts its hooves into the ground and you, tr- you begin to try to coach it, you begin to try to get it to pull on it, you can twist its tail, you can kick it, you can do whatever you want to, but it'll lock its hooves in and it ain't going nowhere. Amen. And God said, that's the way Israel is. You have come to this place, but now you've put your hooves in. You've settled here. You're satisfied here. You're comfortable here. He didn't say they had gone far. They quit following him. They said, you have backslid because this is as far as you want to come. Think about that. This is where Hosea prophesies and speaks to them and says you have to evaluate your condition because you are you are not going forward anymore so the question becomes to us today is are we backsliding we're still in the house of god 
We still love God. But have we made any progression lately? Quiet up in here today. Have we moved forward? Or are we still staying where we have been since last year, six months ago? How do we know more about God today than we did three weeks ago? How's our relationship with him now compared to a year ago? Or have we stopped progressing? Have we stopped moving forward? You see, God loves us so much that he does not want us to stay where we are. No matter where we are. You know, and in, in, we haven't talked too much about it in Pentecostal circles even anymore because the church has become ashamed of the Holy Ghost. But that's the reason I've been pushing on it here the first of the year because I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God that will deliver and set the captive free. Amen. Without the Holy Ghost moving on your life, you can't sing, you can't play, you can't preach the word, you can't set the captive free, but the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon your life. It'll cause you to sing better, it'll cause you to preach better. You can set the captive free. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But we used to, in the church, we would come to a place where that we weren't like a badge. We got saved, and then the next thing was, have you received the Holy Spirit? And then if you received the Holy Spirit, you were saved, sanctified, filled with heaven's Holy Ghost, on your way to heaven, glory to God, and you just waited for him to come. Right? But now, we don't even take those steps. We're just, we're saved. But there's so much more to God than what we have fathomed. There's so much more to God than we have comprehended and we have received. And God says, I've got so much for you and yet there's no passion for it. I've got so much for you, so much for you to know about me. But you never come asking. You never come courting me. You never come dating me. You never come looking for me. See, God is always moving. Always. Just look in the scripture from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation and you see a God that's constantly on the move. Huh? Where was he whenever creation was made? The Bible said he hovered. He was brewing. He was moving on the face of the deep. Amen. He was moving. You look into the New Testament and you find that he's on the move. That that they would have to stop him crying, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And stop him in the road for them to be. Why? Because he was constantly moving. In the book of Revelation, he is the God that's on the move. Amen. That is coming to after his bride, after his church. And so he's always on the move. And we're going to, just for us to stay up with him, we've got to be people that are on the move. Amen. Because if we are not people on the move, then we are backsliding. God is moving. He's always the cloud by day and the fire by night. Huh? He's never standing still. God stands 
Uh, it says if you're standing still, then you're backsliding. You don't have to go back to whatever you came out of to backslide. You just become satisfied with where you are. You stop moving forward. And God considers that backsliding. The reason people stay where they are is because they come comfortable with where they are. I'm comfortable here. Amen. I'm not, I'm not no longer in Egypt's bondage. I'm no longer in captivity. I'm no longer making a bird, a yoke of, of around my neck or the burden of sin around my neck. I'm free from that. And so I'm satisfied with where I am. I'm comfortable with where I am. I'm comfortable not uh, uh, achieving my destiny. So don't bother me. I'm comfortable with giving $10. Don't bother me. I'm comfortable with coming to church and not being involved. Don't bother me. I'm comfortable with just, just, just who we have and, and we don't need anymore. Don't bother me. I'm comfortable the way it is. And we become like the church of Revelation who think we need nothing. Amen. We should, just, we should not just evaluate where we're at, but we must pursue what God has ordained for our destiny. Amen. It's going to take people to raise up and say, I'm not satisfied with where I am. I'm not satisfied with where the church is. I'm not satisfied with the kingdom of God, where we are, because I know there's more. I'm not satisfied with just a nice building. I'm not satisfied with paying the bills. I'm not satisfied with just having my, ch- my family in church. I know that there is a harvest that must be reached. I know that there are people that are lost and undone. I know that there are co-workers and there people that I care about that do not have Jesus as their savior and therefore we must reach out and we must touch them with the gospel of the kingdom amen my question to us today is where are you and where are you going where are you and where are you going God doesn't want a has-been relationship with you. God doesn't want a has-been relationship with me. Amen? For God to have you and me to have a has-been relationship with him would be like for me to talk to my wife about my ex-girlfriend. Amen? He's not interested in what you used to have. He's interested in what's our relationship now. What are, where have we been lately? Not what we used to do. Let me put it like this. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. He says to us, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord 
will enter, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? But he who does the will of my father in heaven. But watch this. He said, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done all these mighty wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who participate in lawlessness. We've, we've operated in the gifts of the spirit. Lord. We've cast out devils. We've healed the sick. We've set the captive free. Lord, you've used us with the gifts before. But he says, I don't know you. Is it possible to fall in love with the gifts and what you can get from God and what God is doing that we don't have a relationship with the one who owns the gifts, whose gifts belong to? Amen. He said, I don't know you. The word know there is an intimate word. I never knew you. Right? It's, an in, it's a word of intimacy. It's the word that is used when came, uh, uh, Adam and Eve, Adam knew Eve and gave birth to Cain and Abel. They were intimate and out of their intimate relationship, they produced fruit. And now the indictment comes here in Matthew chapter 7 and he tells them, he said, Lord, Lord, that shout everyone that cries, Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But those who do the will of the father. And then he says, oh, we've done this and we've done that. And he said, yeah, but what about your relationship with me? You're no longer intimate with me. You no longer come and talk to me. You no longer read my love story that I sent through my son's blood. We have no intimate relationship. And yeah, you may have cast out demons. That's good. Yes, you could. You healed the sick and that's wonderful. But what about our relationship? That's what I want. I submit to you today that we're making God sick. I say we. I'm not pointing my finger at you and saying you're making God sick. I'm saying we make God sick. We take him so for granted. Huh? You ever been guilty of taking your spouse for granted? After they've been around so long and you're married and uh, for a while and uh, finally all of a sudden you, you wake up and realize I'm taking them for granted. God is so gracious and merciful and loving and compassionate. Yes, he is all of that. Amen. But what this generation is missing out on, I started talking about the balance of this thing. Yes, he is loving. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is kind. But he also sits on a throne of judgment. His judgment is merciful. Amen. 
but he's more concerned about us being holy. That's not something you hear much of, is it? He's more concerned about us being holy than he is us being comfortable. Amen. It's all right. I didn't expect a whole lot of shouting today. Amen. Because this is the reality of it, my brothers and sisters. The church, my concern, and I'm not casting stones at nobody. Whatever churches, other churches do, praise God. We love them. They're part of the team. Amen. But my concern is, is we're producing something called the church that is not sustainable because it has not been built upon the word of God. It has been built upon the gifts and the talents of men, and it's going to fall. It's going to fall. It's going to be ugly. Amen. But it's going to fall. It will not be sustained because whatever you can build by man's ability and talents will not be able to be sustained when the winds of the world begin to blow against it. Amen. But I want you to understand today that God loves us. He is merciful, but he wants a relationship with us. He wants us, he, he wants us to come to him and love on him and get to know him every single day. And I promise you that if you will commit yourself to meeting with him and having a relationship with him every single day, that every single day you will see a new facet of him that you've never seen before. Amen. I'm about finished up, but this is my concern. The reason that I bring you this today, and I know it's not something you you may be real shouty about, but it's true. Huh? And this is is what I want us to understand today and, and understand from my heart. You know, we're in this time of fasting and prayer, so it's a time of reflecting. It's a time of seeing where we really are and hearing the heart of God more clearly. And I I tell you today that my concern is that the church has become unbalanced to a place where that we we have uh, taken this grace message and we have applied it to our lives that we're able to do whatever we want to do, however we want to do it, and still say we're on our way to heaven and the journey is getting sweeter every day. When the reality of it is, yes, there is a God of grace and yes, his grace is overwhelming to imagine the grace that God has for us. But I want you to know that he said that judgment must begin at the house of God. And I believe that God is giving grace to the lukewarm. To those who who love him but have never put a a precedence on him. They're not honoring the, the relationship that they have with him. They're not honoring the house of God. And God has given them grace for a period. But I'm telling you that period is coming to an end. You say, well, how can that happen? Well, the Bible says, they say, well, God won't never do that. Well, you haven't read your Bible. Because what did God, one of the prophets said this, he said in this last day, he said that people will call on my name and I will not answer them. 
He's not talking about people who have been weak in their faith and and pursuing God and they faltered along the way. He's talking about people that in the face of God have rebelled against him and said, this is as far, I don't need you anymore. I've got everything that I need and this is as far as I need to go. But God said, they'll call on me and I will not answer them. We have to put it all in perspective. He loves us. But whenever you go around stubbing your nose in the face of God. And acting as though you've got it all together. And you don't need him by the way that we live. And the way that we walk. And the way that our actions every day of our life. And then he said they're going to come to me one day. And it's going to be too late. Amen. I believe there's a couple of things that's going to happen in this, in this church, in the church of the living God, not just individually, but corporately. I believe that in this last day, there is something that's about to take place. I told you, I don't know if I told you or not, but this is what I've felt in my spirit. There I have been, I, I have asked God, God, why is it that, that we're praying and we're praying and we're not seeing the miraculous? Has anyone else ever asked that? Nobody. God, we're believing you for signs and wonders and miracles and nothing is happening. God, we're believing you for the miraculous word of the Lord to be established in the earth. And we don't see it taking place. We see the world getting more wicked and wicked and perversion everywhere. And it seems like that everything is running crazy. God, where are you in all of this? I believe that that, that this is my own heart. You can take it for what it's worth. But I believe that for those who are lukewarm, that have made God sick, the place of grace is about to run out. And they're either going to get right or it's going to become too late. You can't play with God forever. Amen. You cannot play with God forever. We have to be cold or hot. We've got to be on fire. Huh? Because he said, you knowing to do good and not doing it's making me sick. You living half-heartedly is making me sick. You saying you love me but never showing up for the date is making me sick. Grace over that kind of lukewarm spirit is about to run out. But I believe in this last day. That everything that God said was going to happen is about to take place. I said, Lord, what is it that you're so quiet? He said, I was quiet for 400 years. He said, I've been quiet in days past, my God. But he said, in this last day, I'm about to release my anointing. And all the signs and the wonders and the miracles and what I have promised to my church is about to be released. But he said, I couldn't release it. I could not release it because there was a generation, a church that would take credit for it and was taking it and making money off of it. And I withdrew it from my church. But in this hour, I'm going to raise up a people that can be trusted with my anointing trusted with my spirit people that are in love with me and i'm going to show myself wonderful in the earth again hallelujah 
Now you can take that for what it's worth, but that's what the Lord is speaking to me. And I believe that this is our time. I believe that this is our opportunity in the earth and in particular in America. Amen. And we have a window of opportunity. Window of opportunity. This window will not be open always. There will be great persecution that will come. But God is going to do something so magnificent in the earth. That it's going to gain the attention of all of this craziness that's going on in our world. Amen. And in the midst of chaos, God's going to show himself strong and mighty. In the midst of all of this mess that is going on and the perversion and the wickedness that is taking place, God is going to manifest his power and his glory in a church that has been drawn to him and will seek his face and call on his name and say, God, I want more of you. I want more of your presence. For those who just going through the motion, satisfied with where they are, I didn't call them that. God called them backsliders. Said they're part from me. They're separated from me. I don't want to be in that position. I want my heart to be humble. I want my eyes to be pure. I want my ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the church. I want my hands to be clean so that I can climb to the hill of the Lord and there have intimate communion relationship with him that will change my life so that I can go and change somebody else's amen stand with me today please Father, I pray that you would touch us today. Let us humble ourselves in your presence. Let your word do what needs to be done in each of us, individually as well as corporately. Let us stand before you on that day with clean hands and a pure heart, knowing that you are the lover of our soul. God, I give you praise for it today. In the name of Jesus.